Pastor Scott here and Pastor Don. Good to have you guys with us at Good Sam Cast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's been a little while. Let's just be transparent and upfront. But with the holidays, it got a little crazy and all of that. And instead of going back and doing pre-Christmas podcasts, we thought we we're just going to jump in here with our new sermon series that uh, we're doing for the new year. Right. It's still January. I can't believe it. It seems like 2021 has um, turned out to be not a great improvement over 2020 uh, to this point, but hopefully it gets a little better. I was telling my 13-year-old, I think a whole lot of people just had this illusion that we were going to go from December 31st to January 1st and everything was going to be okay. Right, that's and true. obviously it hasn't worked out that way. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I mean, things yeah. are going to be getting better uh, yeah. in regards, especially to the pandemic. But it's going to take some time. Yeah. I did see a story this morning, and it's one of those encouraging ones where you know, a doctor in the know seemed to think that by fall, uh, you know, if they can keep the vaccines going and mm -hmm. people getting them and that, that we're going to start feeling a little more normal. Great. Yeah. So speaking of normal, mm. a lot of people don't have a really good image of themselves, Pastor Don. No, they don't feel normal ever, actually. <laughs> and so that's what this sermon series, Sacred Selfie, is all about. We're trying to help you, if you will. And, and to be honest, it's helping Pastor Don and me, too, because Absolutely. we need it as much as anybody. But how do we have a fresh perspective uh, for a fresh year, for a new year. And so what's kind of the premise behind this, Pastor Doug? Well, you know, most behavioral scientists will tell you that the way you see yourself has a direct correlation to how you perceive yourself in mm -hmm. the world um, and also how you perceive the people and the world around you. So how you see yourself has a direct correlation to how you perceive the world and the people around you. And so what we want to do with this sermon series is we want to shape the way we see ourselves. In other words, help you shape the way you see yourself around the way that God sees you and who you are in Christ Jesus. Because if you do that, you're going to have a healthier, more godly perception of yourself, which is going to give you a healthier perception of the world and give you a healthier perception of other people as well. And we need that right oh, now. Oh, we sure do. There's an awful lot of... Uh, finger-pointing and yep. name-calling going on in the world, and we need to move past that for sure. I love the verse from Proverbs that you shared the first week uh, about this. And mm -hmm. why don't you share that, if you would, before we jump into your points? Yeah, what are the, the theme verse really for this week, and, and kind of for the series in general, but really for this week, is be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. And that comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Let me say that again. Just think about that for a second. Be careful how you think, right? They always talk about how the mind is the gateway to the heart. So be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. All right. So we're going to take uh, just a break here. If you want to grab a piece of paper and pen, if you haven't, if you want to take some notes, we'll be back in just a second. All right. Hopefully you had a chance to grab a pen or pencil or adjust whatever. But uh, Pastor Don, you started this sermon series with uh, the title was See Right, Be Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I liked was you talked about some uh, side effects that people have when they have a bad self-image. Right. I mean, some of them are pretty obvious. Uh, you are a little overly sensitive. You tend to be a people pleaser. 
you don't like people to be upset with you. You're not a big, you don't, you'll have negative self-talk. But there were a couple that were kind of surprising to me. Uh, one, you don't think you bring much to the table, uh, which I guess makes a little bit of sense. Mm-hmm. But this one idea of a lot of people that have a low self-image are perfectionists, which I didn't put those two together. But you're so concerned about making sure that people see you in a positive light that you want to make sure everything is just so. Yeah. right? And when is that going to be? Never. <laughs> right? Uh, so that was an interesting one. And then the one that people get angry when you was a little surprising to me because you would think they'd just be sad or quiet, but some of the angriest people tend to be people that have bad self-images. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and obviously there's a, there are innumerable books written on this kind of oh, stuff, so many. you know, in the self-help area, and some of that stuff is good and okay, but more important for us and our listeners is we want to start digging into what does God's Word have to say? And I know, you know, that's where you're coming from, too. But maybe even before we get there, where where do people get this stuff? You know, there's a couple of ways, I think, that there's there are many. We could do an entire series of podcasts on the different incorrect ways people get negative uh, feedback about themselves. But here are a couple of big ones. I think two things that really lead to people having negative self-image is they begin to let culture define who they are, right? Think about that. You let, let culture define who you are. Um, and what does culture say? If you're good-looking on the outside, then you're good enough on the inside. If you have money, then you're good enough. If you have possessions, uh, power, a good job. But people that have those things realize that those things are very empty and those are culture's ways of telling people whether or not you're good enough. And here's the thing about culture. They're always going to have somebody prettier on the TV or in the magazine because those people have trainers. They have touch-up <laughs> artists. And they don't even, they're don't they not even those people. I tried getting a trainer, but they refused to work with me. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> um, and And a big part of culture now is social media. Yep. And the way people portray themselves on social media, that's not who they are. Here's this wonderful quote from Stephen Furtick that I found and I think is so true, especially when it comes to social media, Facebook, um, you know, some of the other social media platforms. One of the reasons we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. lives with everyone else's highlight reel. Right? When you go on somebody's Facebook page, there's the smiling family and everybody's happy. They're usually on vacation um, or they're working out or whatever the case might be. And we, we're seeing everybody at their best and comparing yeah. our everyday life to their best. And so if you get stuck in that rut where you're comparing yourself to the people in the magazines, on the TV, or on social media, in other words, the cultural things, you're going to find yourself really not feeling very good about yourself. Remember. Yeah, oh. I, I, yeah I've never seen anybody on Facebook put a picture of their old car. Right, right. You know, or, or, or their old house that's falling apart. Or what they look like when they're just waking up in the exactly. morning. <laughs> you know, exactly. There's this great meme where it's a picture of a, a chimpanzee uh, looking in a mirror and you go, you ever wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every day. But. All right, so culture defines who we are, or, right. or, or it can. It can, and so you got to be careful about letting culture define. And then another big one is letting your past define who you are. When I, uh, 
in our past, there are many things that can be traumatic, that can be um, cause us to not feel good about ourselves. It could be something that's happened to us or something that we have done, maybe some actions we have taken. And for people who continue to look back, and, and as they look back, that helps them define how they feel today. There's a lot of difficulty with that. There's an analogy I use in the sermon, and I can't really do it on a podcast, but I imagine you're heading, you're driving your car. What is the largest window in your car? It's your front window. Yep. Because that's where you're supposed to be spending the majority of your time looking. That's where you need your best view is looking out the front. How big is your rear view mirror? Yeah. They're small. You know, maybe there's three of them, one in the middle and then two on the sides. But those are very small. Yep. They are meant to be glanced in to give you perspective on where you're going, but you're not meant to gaze into them. A lot of people find themselves looking back an awful lot in their lives and feeling bad about maybe something they've done or obsessing over something that was done to them. Yeah. And there's been some, you know, there are people that have really bad stuff in their past. Yeah, or maybe they're just saying, you know, if I only had done this 30 years ago, mm-hmm. my life would be much better now. Yeah. Maybe not a mistake, but just wishing. But it doesn't change anything, and it isn't going to help for the future. And the thing is, God's really not interested in our past. He's yeah. interested in who we are today. Uh, and if we've done some things in the past that need to be forgiven, then we should ask God to forgive us. We should forgive ourselves, and we should move on. If people have done things to us in the past that have traumatized us or caused us some very painful memories we should deal with those and then move on from them Um, and maybe that would be some counseling talking to somebody or just spending a lot of time in prayer talking to God yeah and and I think sometimes you know maybe just for those listening too we are not a church who's against people getting good counseling Uh, no you know and it, it doesn't have to be from a pastor and that too we make recommendations to folks but if that's what it takes it's worth doing right deal with what's in your yep. past so you're not living yep. in your past because yep. it absolutely can d- destroy your present right so the root cause of a lot of the self-image problems then is this concept that we're never going to be right until we see right and that's really where you start now digging into right this whole first segment if you will but we're going to come back to that in just a second right as long as your personal assessment is based as long as how you feel about yourself is based on the world's culture or on your past you're not going to see right and if you don't see right you're going to have trouble being right that's right we'll be right back as we dig into that All right, Pastor Dunn, so how do we begin to see right so that we can be right? Well, this a little bit counterintuitive, this first one is, because if you read these self-help books, and there's a lot of, and I am not against self-help books, and I think there's a lot of very wise people that have helped put some things out there, but what you get with most self-help books or most modern-day get-right types of books is they're all about getting in tune with yourself, (laughs) going inside yourself, and yes, we have to do that, but not before we make sure we go to God. So we have to see God correctly. And I think that's the first and the most important thing. Because if you want that that power that's going to be able to really be a difference maker in your life, you have to have a good understanding of how God sees you. Um, And and in order to do that, you have to understand who God is more correctly. If you see God as an angry God, a judgmental God, um, then you're going to feel like you're constantly being judged by God, that you're constantly not good enough. And if I may, I mean, a lot of people 
maybe start reading the Bible at, in the Old Testament oh. because it's the first part. Right. And, and or you know you've had people come to you as they've come to me and say, well, there's so much anger in God, uh, and they don't see the New Testament side, the Jesus side, the God with us. Side. Right. Because remember, he sent Jesus to fulfill yep. the law. So Jesus was kind of that next step in what he needed to give we, his people, in order to understand him better. There's this great text in Psalm 59.10. My God is changeless in his love for me, hmm. and he will come and he will help me. Um, we will never believe in what God says about us until we believe in how God sees us. And you have to understand that God has a changeless love for you. You change, you might get better, you might get worse. God's love for you doesn't change. His grace for you, his presence in your life doesn't change. A lot of people see God as mad or mean, and he is not. I mean, think about John 3.16. Everybody knows for God so loved, not everybody. A lot of people know John 3.16. They call it the mini gospel. Yep. For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. But then 317 is just as important. And yep. this is a reminder of how, how to see God. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You don't have a judgmental God. You have a loving God. He sent his son Jesus to save you, to make your life better, not to make your life worse. And so the first step is we've got to see God correctly. And if we have that foundational aspect of a loving, caring God, it's very important. So then the second part. But the second one doesn't come until that first one's in place, right? It's very hard for that second one until... Because this is where we get a little bit more kind of what you would get in the self-help books and so forth. And that is to see myself the way that God sees me. When we begin to understand that we have a loving, caring God and that God loves us and cares for us, that God forgives us when we make mistakes, that God is always wanting what is best for us, has, is there to pick us up when we struggle, then when we make those mistakes, we don't just beat ourselves up over them. We don't judge ourselves. Um, we don't withdraw from the world um, or from our true emotions because we know how, uh, we have a God who's there to love us and support us and care for us at all times. Um, and I know we're going to kind of unpack some of that some more in the sermons that are coming up in this series, too. So tune into the next podcasts, too. Absolutely. I mean, you know, First Peter kind of says, now here's Peter is uh, somebody who had to figure this out because he didn't quite have a good understanding of God. Uh, and he very much he denied God, and then he felt guilty about it. And it wasn't until Jesus kind of really uh, pulled him back in and said, I need you. I need you to be the cornerstone of my church. Right? I need you to love the people. And he writes these words. He says, you are a chosen people. Hmm. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now just let those words sink in for a second. In God's mind, you are chosen. You're not just some random person. He has called you his child. He has chosen you. You are royal priesthood. In other words, you are you are called to be the people that serve others and care for others. You are a holy nation. Think about that. Just think about those titles. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I was actually thinking about, I was watching the inauguration, and the poet talked about yep. if you want to live in the light, you have to embrace the light and be the light. Um, we are called to be the yeah. light, and the more we are called, the more we embrace that call to be the light, to see ourselves as chosen, as holy, as royal, 
the more we're going to be in the light, the better mm. attitude we're going to have about ourselves because we begin to see what God sees in us. Excellent. Love it. And so we see ourselves the way God sees it, but it doesn't stop there. No, not even. Not even. So we see God correctly. Uh, we see ourselves the way that God sees us. And then we just simply connect with more people that have that kind of connection with God. Connect with people who see me the way God sees me. Do you have people in your life that love you, uh, care for you, nurture you? Make sure you're spending time with those people. Do you have people in your life that are constantly negative, constantly downers? And I'm not saying to break off relationships, right. Right. but you might want to minimize how much you let those, how much impact you let those people have in your life. Um, and that's one of the reasons it's important to come to church. Church is full of imperfect people. It's an imperfect place for imperfect people. Let's let's call it yep. what it is. But at least all those people are trying to get better understanding of God. Right. And at least those people are trying, at some level or another, trying to care for others. And so coming to church to be around other Christians is an important way to uh, be around people that see you the way God sees you. But then also just making sure the relationships in your life are healthy ones and filled with people who are going to lift you up and not tear you down. Yeah, that is, that is so key. I mean, I totally agree with what you said. I've seen articles where it says, you know, just get rid of people. Uh, yeah. and, and that's too extreme. I mean, I know what they're saying, but that's not what we believe because we're called to love people too. Exactly. But I, I think you're right in saying don't, you know, those negative folks in your life, don't give them too much say in how you see yourself. Exactly. Give more to what God sees. And if you take it to the extreme, anybody who's been married for a length <laughs> of time knows that there are times when you think your spouse is just busting your chops way too much. But then you usually end up coming back around to, to you know, being in love and seeing the good in each other. So it, it's not about writing those people out of your life, but it's just about minimizing them the power that negative people have in your life. Well, and, and, you know, just to go on that for a second, I mean, you know, I know you and your wife and my wife and I, too, we've been married a long time like you guys. You're all going to have times like that. Mm -hmm. We're all going to have relationships like that. But because you're on the same plane spiritually mm -hmm. or in the same place, you also learn how to work through it. Yeah. And, and so that's a key. But, but I absolutely agree. You know, connect with people. And that's why we try to get folks. It's harder now during the pandemic. It but sure like, is small groups or in a Bible study or something. So there is a connection there. Good news at noon. Yep. Uh, good Sam praise. Uh, you can get online for worship. You can worship in person. Yep. Um, you know, and if you have children, then of course, these are folks that were, Natalie is doing a great job connecting with our middle school families and, and um, Jamie's doing such a good job with our Sunday school families. Yeah. We're trying to find as many ways. And we're still doing our food ministry. Yep. We're still doing different ministries that help people. Any, any of these things that you involve yourself with are going to put you in the presence of people right. that are have a little bit more of a godly worldview. So when he says connect with people, there's all kinds of ways to connect, mm -hmm. even in the midst of a pandemic. Even in the midst of a pandemic. And just wait till it's over. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think a lot of people are waiting for that. It's going yeah. to be wonderful. I think we've learned that connecting with uh, people who see us the way God sees us is something we all need, and it's missed a lot right now. Yeah. So if you had to kind of summarize everything, how would you do that? Well, my friends, really what we want you to get, this was kind of an intro to this whole sermon series, is we really want you to begin 
to shape your life around the way God sees you. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure you know who God is. Make sure you're not letting culture or your past or the negative influences define who you are. But instead, begin to understand who God is a little bit more. And as you begin to understand God more, you're going to understand just how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, how much He forgives you, how much He's there to pick you up when you fall down. And the more you begin to see that and embrace that, the more you're going to begin to see yourself the way God sees you, which is going to allow you to have a better self-perception of yourself, which will give you a better perception of the world around you. Great. Thanks, Pastor Don, and thanks everyone who's listening to this podcast. Again, we remind you to share it, if you would, with your friends. Maybe there's somebody who needs to hear this message, and maybe they don't live in Las Vegas. Maybe they're somewhere else, but wherever they are, one of the cool things you can do with things like this is share it easily with them. We'd encourage you to do that. If you have questions or uh, need more information about our church, you can always go to our website, goodsamlv.com and check us out there as well. But again, we just want to thank you. And we'll be back in a couple days with another podcast, which will be the second one in this series. Amen. Thanks, everyone. God bless you.